came across this recently. There's a, a busload of politicians traveling out in the, the country and they, they lost control of the bus and skidded off the road and hit a tree. The, the farmer that lived nearby heard the commotion, heard the big, the, the, the big noise and went out to investigate and when he got there, he saw the bus was just mangled. I mean, it just tore up and bodies everywhere. So he took his tractor and dug a big hole and buried all the politicians. Uh, about two days later, the sheriff was driving by and he saw this bus. And so, so he went up and asked the guy what had happened. He said, well, uh, it was a bus full of politicians and, uh, you know, I, I dug a hole and I buried him. And, and the guy said, well, the, the coroner wasn't called. How did you know they were all dead? And, and the farmer said, well, some of them said they weren't, but you know you can't trust politicians. <laughs> this morning, uh, to, to follow a little bit the theme that Jana uh, talked about, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about Thanksgiving and, and particularly the action of Thanksgiving. Thanks, Thanksgiving and having a heart and a spirit and a, an attitude of Thanksgiving should create in us, it should create in us action. Uh, as we look this morning at a text in the book of Acts, Acts Chapter 3, so if you want to grab your Bibles and open up there, Acts chapter 3, the first 10 verses, I want you to contrast, as I read this text, I want you to contrast the character in this story, uh, the, the beggar, uh, really three characters, the beggar and Peter and John, but, but contrast the beggar at the start of the story with what he became at the end of the story, uh, and you'll see the action of Thanksgiving. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 3, uh, we'll start with verse uh, verse 1. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Let me go ahead and read verse 11 as well. While the, beggar, while the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. We're going to look at a, at, at a, at a couple things here this morning about this text, and, and we see the action of Thanksgiving. You, you probably saw that. It was easy to see the, the change in this, this beggar. He went from being a beggar who who had to be carried to, to, to the temple to beg. He couldn't even get there himself. He, he probably had very little, uh, certainly was discouraged and depressed. His life had, had no hope in it, uh, relied on other people to even give him even an opportunity to have some type of existence. He went from that to the man at the end of the story, running and jumping and giving praise to God and all excited. And so we see in there from Thanksgiving, we see an action uh, tied to it. Here's the first thing I want to look at, and, and we see that in the first couple verses, is that he looked. Uh, we'll apply this a couple ways, but, but the first thing we see is that the, the, the beggar there, the, the guy at the, the gate, 
was looking for people to reach out and and touch him, reach out and give him some some help, and and in doing so, he he identified he identified people, he identified who could give him some help. We see that in that text when when he when it says he saw Peter and John and he hollered at them. Basically, you know, he, he, I don't know what he said. He said, "Hey guys, help me out! Alms for the poor." I don't know exactly what he said, but he he saw the guys. He identified them as an opportunity for, for someone to help. Now, what we see is he identified, first of all, the right place to be. Uh, there's a couple of things we notice from this text. It's where his friends dropped him. They dropped him at the temple gate. Right outside the, the court going into the, the gate, beautiful, is where they put him. And that was a smart thing. Put him, first of all, where people are. You want to be where people are. If you're going to beg for, for help, you want to be where people are. Let me, let me illustrate this way. I had my first encounter uh, on Friday morning with the Salvation Army uh, kettle ringers. I went to Walmart in Atchison Friday morning to get actually some pictures for our operation in Apra that I'd had developed. And, 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 and as I started in, there was a guy out front ringing his bell. And uh, it was about 50 degrees Friday morning. It was a beautiful day. And, and as I often do, I tried to be funny. So I walked up to the guy and I actually, uh, I actually took some money out and put it in so I had the right to talk to him. Put it in and I, I said, sir, I just want to thank you for standing out here in the cold weather. Uh, and he's like, oh, it's not really that cold, and I've got a jacket. I'm like, oh, man, you missed exactly what I, what I was trying to say there. Uh, but, but you see those red cows. Where do you see them? You see them where people are. You see them in front of grocery stores, and you see them uh, in front of Walmarts and in Sam's at the mall. They, they put them where, where people are and kind of consequently also tied with that. They always put them where people are who are going in to buy stuff. So I guess people that have money is where they put them. You know where I've never seen a Salvation Army red kettle? I've never seen one sitting out at the intersection of Highway 36 and K7. Have you ever seen a guy sitting out there ringing his bell along the highway? Now, I'd probably stop if I saw someone out there doing think, Man, no one is helping you out here. I'd probably stop and give me a buck or two. But, but you, don't, you don't put that kettle out there where no one's at. You put it where people are. So this guy was smart. He, he identified where he should go, and that was where, where people were. But there was a second thing. I, I want you to catch this. It wasn't just him going where people were, because he could have gone some other places and been around lots of people. He was going not just where people were, but where people were going in to worship God. People were going in, hopefully, I mean, this was his goal. This is what he was hoping was the case going in where people already had a compassion in their heart. They were already thinking about God and godly things. Uh, in fact, what he, was, what he probably was hoping was they would remember the text. If you have your Bibles, flip in the, the Old Testament of Deuteronomy chapter 15. See, in the Old Testament, the Jews were called on to help out people who were poor. There wasn't supposed to be any poor people around. You were supposed to, to meet their needs and take care of them. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verses 7 and 8 says this. If there is a poor man among your brothers, any of the towns of the land that the Lord your God has given you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fist towards your poor brother. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend him whatever he needs. So so what this guy was hoping, not just to be around people, but to, to be around people whose heart was already changed, who, who was thinking about God and how, how can we reach out or how can I be around people Whose, whose heart is already softened to God. So, so he identified the right place. 
he identified the right place to be. Now, let me point out his application. Sometimes as we read this story, we're the, we're the beggar. Sometimes we're that guy in this story. We're, we're, we're crippled. Life has us down and out and we're discouraged and life is hard and things aren't going right and we have no hope and we rely on other people to take care of us. And sometimes we find ourselves like that beggar and it's then that we need to, to, to go to a place where we're going to be in contact with God's compassion. Let me illustrate this way. This way. Sometimes we need to be where God is. Uh, a college uh, classmate of mine named Dudley Rutherford, he preaches at a big church in Southern California. And uh, he, he told this story. It was a Christmas Eve uh, at his church, and they had a, a number of services that day at their, at, at their campus. But at the 6 o'clock service that night, he, he tells this story as he got up to, to preach, he, and he started talking. He, he looked down, and in the second row, he noticed a guy. And normally, with a, a large crowd, he said he didn't necessarily pick out faces, but, but that day, he couldn't help but notice the guy, because the guy was sitting in the second row and he was fairly well dressed and he looked like a, a, you know, haircut and just looked nice, but, but he couldn't help notice that tears were streaming down this guy's face. And, and that's not a normal thing on a Christmas Eve service. Usually it's joyous and exciting. And, and Dudley pastors at a, a church of several thousand, so he doesn't know everyone there. And he certainly didn't know this guy, but said as he began to preach, he just couldn't take his eyes off the guy. Now he didn't stare at him, but, but, but as he, took his head and looked one way. He kept that guy in the corner of, uh, of his eye, and he said he just kept noticing the, the tears. And he said, said it was kind of difficult to stay concentrated on what he was trying to say and, and wondering, and said his mind started to go, well, what's this guy's story? What's going on in his life? Why, why is he crying? What's happening? And then he noticed a, a couple seats off to, to his left. There was a young couple. And he knew this guy was by himself because there were seats on either side of him that were open when you're on the front rows, that usually is the case. And, and, and there were seats, so, so he knew he was all by himself, but he noticed the, the young couple sitting two or three seats to his left. He, he saw as the, the husband kind of glanced over and, and recognized or saw the guy for the first time. And, and so Rutherford said, you know, I'm preaching away, trying to stay, keep my mind, but, but the whole time I'm watching this transpire and I'm wondering, will he notice the tears? And, and he could tell by the man's reaction that he did. And, and then he said, he noticed the guy get up and slide over the two seats and sit next to the guy. He couldn't tell if he said anything, but he, he did see his arm go around that guy's shoulder. And when he did, he said the guy's shoulder started to, to bounce a little bit. You could see now it wasn't just tears, it was sobs. And again, no words were being exchanged, but he sat there and he watched as this guy sobbed. And the brother said, I'm trying, I'm trying to keep my mind on what I'm trying to, to say here. And this is all transpiring right in front of me. And he said a couple minutes later, the wife noticed and, and she got up, walked and sat on the other side of the guy. And she too put her arm around him for a while. And then she reached over and grabbed the guy's hand with both of her hands and just held his hand. Rutherford said, you know, I'm here talking about angels appearing to shepherds. And, and I'm starting to get tears running down my face as I'm watching. No one can see this. No one knows what's going on, but I'm watching it. It happened. And he said, as the service Finished. I some way somehow made it through the service without busting into tears. And, and, and normally I would go to the back of the church to greet people, wish them a Merry Christmas. And, and, and he said, but I had, I had to know. So he said, instead of going to the back, he went right to that man and that couple that had surrounded him. And, and he introduced himself and just asked him what his story was. And, and the guy began to talk. You know, I, 
I've got everything. I'm, I'm successful. I've got money. I've got cars. I, I have a house here in Southern California, condo in Hawaii. I've got it all. And yet I realize that I have nothing. And he said, in, 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 my, in my sadness when I realized that, I thought back to when I was a child. I thought back to Sunday school when my mom and dad would take me and drop me off and, and then we would go upstairs and sit during the service and, and in that middle of, of loneliness, I, I thought, I've got to go back. And it was the first church. He said, I don't know why I'm here. It's the first church I saw. And so I walked in the service a day because I thought maybe I could find God again. When, when we are struggling, when, when we are the, the beggar, the one place we should go is the place where we'll connect with God's compassion. The, the, the beggar was there for people. I mean, he was there for money. He was hoping they, but, but he also knew that there he might find people that would understand, that people that would have a heart for him. Uh, in, in Hebrews chapter, uh, chapter 10 verse 25, it says this, cause, cause not only if we have a deed should we be there, but, but we have an opportunity to offer something to people who are beggars. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10 says, uh, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see that day approaching. Church, we have an opportunity to reach out and, and bless people, bless beggars who find themselves struggling if we're willing to do that. Uh, he, 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 he identified he identified the place, but he also identified the purpose, the, the person. We, we see the first thing he does is he, he saw Peter and John. Now, actually, we, we see two things here in identifying. He identified Peter and John, but Peter and John also identified him. They saw him. It's interesting in this story that he saw Peter and John, but he didn't look. Peter and John looked, but they saw him. Now, now, as the text goes on, as you read in that text, you see after he hollered out to Peter and John, and then, and, and then Peter and John looked at him, and, and they had to tell the guy, hey, look at us. So he saw them and hollered, hey, give me alms. But, but then he took his eyes off them because he probably was looking for someone else. He probably was trying to find someone else. Peter and John uh, told him, look at us. He, he, uh, Peter and John identified the person. They, they saw who he was oftentimes we we find ourselves struggling and we find ourselves lost and what we really want to do is be seen tony compolo tells the story of of going up to a homeless man one time and and, and just talking to him and, and and he asked him the simple question what what is your biggest struggle he wasn't sure what the guy was going to say maybe maybe it was finding a place to sleep at night maybe it was you know, finding where my next meal's gonna come from. But, but he said, my biggest struggle is being lonely. He said, I'm constantly surrounded by people, but no one sees me. Our oldest, our oldest son, Brian, was just a little guy, and, and we were playing hide and seek uh, in, in the house one day. Uh, and so he went to hide, and, and I, I counted the appropriate time, and I went to look for him, and, and his hiding job wasn't very good. I went around the corner, and you could see his feet, sticking out and, and and so I did what what probably some of you have done I'm like man where are you Brian and I, I walked I walked in that room and then I left and went to another room and I I came back and this time when I came back 
he had kind of scooted out a little bit so I could not just see his feet, but I could actually see about half his torso. And I walked in, I did the same thing. Where are, man, I don't know where you are, Brian. I can't see. Where are you, Brian? And, 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 and he just sat there for a while. And, and then he, he, he actually moved all the way out where he was sitting out in the open. And I continued to play along. I continued, man, I just can't find you, Brian. Where are you? Brian said, I'm right here, Dad, and, and I just continued. But man, I just don't know where that boy is. And he did a great job behind. Brian, you were the He finally got mad at me because I wouldn't I wouldn't see him. What, what hurt there is when when we don't see, when we're not seen. This beggar, this beggar identified Peter and John, but he identified them. Someone that could help him out just a little bit. His biggest problem is they weren't really seeing him. But, but, but he was isolated. Uh, in his isolation, Peter and John called for him to look. Look at, uh, uh, look over at verse uh, four. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, "Look at us." So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. He said, "Look at me." Have you ever, uh, have you ever been there before? I've, I've I've done this occasionally. It was a couple of weeks ago, or maybe longer ago than that. I, I walked into Sam's Club, and as I'm walking up, there's a a table sitting at the entrance, and another one sitting outside at the uh, at the exit. And and there's some stuff on the table, some candy and stuff, and there's some people, some kids behind it. And I don't know what, what they, they were looking for donations. They were going to sell you a candy bar, but, you know, mostly just looking for donations. And I've seen them there before. There's some kind of youth league. You're, you're helping out kids. I don't have time for that. And, uh, uh, somebody, but they're sitting there. And as I'm walking in, I'm thinking, oh man, I don't want to have to deal with this. And, and it worked out perfect. As I walked in, there was a group of us going at the same time. And so have you ever done this? Am I the only one? I positioned myself so that the, the, the table and the guy was here. The group of people was here. I put myself there. So I walked in, I walked right by them. They couldn't hit me up. Because if they didn't ask me, I wouldn't have to feel guilty about, you know, saying no. So so I got into Sam's and, and I was coming out of Sam's and on the way out I was like, oh man, that's right, they're out there. And as I started out, I'm thinking, oh, do I want to give them a dollar? Do I and right then the couple in front of me stopped and started talking to the guy. So here's my opportunity. As they, as they were distracted, I walked right on by. I was so proud of myself that I didn't have to pay the toll to get in and out that day. Uh, this, uh, this beggar actually was called on to stop and, and look. It, it came at a little bit of a cost because, because he was constantly hollering. As people, as Peter and John went by, he hollered, Hey guys, can you help me out? And, and we know because they had to tell him to look at him that as soon as they went by, he hollered. He looked at the next. He looked at his next mark, the next person that he could he could talk to because because it was all about volume. It was all about the number of people that he could come uh, in contact with that day to see if he could get money from them. He he, he was isolated uh, when when they asked him to look and and he took a risk. And we see that in the next the, the next point because. In verses 6 and 7, we see that he looked, but you also see that he, he leaned. Look at verse 6. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. Now, 
Now, the temptation for this guy would have been, as soon as Peter said, silver and gold, I don't have any. I don't have any money. His, his temptation would have been to, well, I don't need you. Let me holler at the next guy. But he hangs in there. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Verse 7, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He came that day to, to the gate beautiful uh, to beg alms, not to be healed. He, he came looking for a handout, not necessarily a miracle. He, he came looking for help with his rent, not help to his feet. He, he came looking for change, spare change, not a change in his life. He, he came that day hoping that he could find something to eat, not expecting or dreaming that he would walk. But Peter said, walk. And when he did, it took faith. It took faith when Peter said, I I can't give you what you're asking for, but I can give you something else. He said, lean towards me. Peter reached down his hand to, to grab. It took faith. A couple things had to be going through his mind. He he might have been thinking, I'm being conned here. As as I reach down to grab Peter's hand, John's going to be slipping behind me to to pick my coins that other people have given me. He might have been thinking they're conning me here. He might have been thinking they're going to humiliate me. Peter's going to reach down and and then do one of these. Or or he's going to reach down and help me to my feet to let go and I'm going to crumble back down and and, uh, onto the ground there. Maybe he thought he was being being conned, he might have thought, hey, I'm missing out. Because the longer I talk to these guys that have silver, don't have silver or gold, more people are walking past me. It took faith on his part for him to lean into Peter and say, help me. You know what? For us, when we're beggars, for us, when we're struggling and God calls us, and not even when we're struggling, but when caught when God calls for us to lean into Him, when God reaches down to take our hand, it takes faith for us to trust Him. God says, I can help you with your discouragement. I can help you with your self-doubt. I can help you with your fear. I can help you conquer that sin. I can give you a sense of, of hope in your sense of hopelessness. I can give you power. I can let your faith grow strong. I can give you all these things, but but you have to lean in. You have to take hold of my hand. It took faith for this beggar to reach out to Peter and and hope that God could do something more than he had thought about. And church, if if God's going to do more for us than we can dream about, if God's going to do more for us than we could ever hope, it'll first of all take faith. It'll, It'll take focus. See, he had to stop thinking about himself. He had to stop thinking about how small he was. He had to Stop thinking that he was just a crippled beggar. He had to stop thinking that no one had ever cared about him before. He had to stop thinking that, that he had nothing to offer and realize that there was a chance for him to have hope again. See, for us, sometimes it has to be, we have to stop thinking that we're just a small church. We have to stop thinking that we're just in a small town. We have to stop thinking that we just have small faith. We have to stop thinking that we don't have a whole lot to offer and realize that, that if we lean into God, He can take us. And make a change. The next thing that we see is, is found there in verse 8 uh, is he leaped. Look at verse 8. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. And he went with them to the temple courts, walking 
and jumping and praising God. But I, but I want you to notice something. There's one thing that happened between the leaning and the leaping. But between his leaning in to the hand of Peter to, to help him up and him in verse 8 jumping and praising and getting all excited. Something that happened between those. D- did you notice did you notice when the healing took place? Did you catch that in verse 7? Let me read it again. Taking him by the right hand, so he leaned and taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. That's Peter helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. When did his feet and ankles become strong? When it was, he, was it when he was still sitting on the ground? Was it when he was, was there waiting for something to happen, hoping that something would happen? No, it's when he trusted and let Peter lift him up. That's when it happened. Oftentimes, oftentimes I feel for myself, and, and maybe it's true for you as well, that I'm waiting for God to do a miracle before I start to act. I'm, I'm waiting for God to do something big, and then I'll do something big as well. I'm waiting for God to, to give me healing, and then I'll get up and do something about it. But the reality is, church, if we want something to happen, if we want to get to a place where we can jump and leap and praise God, then we have to be willing to stand up. It's in the standing up that the healing takes place. It's in the standing up that God shows up. It's in the standing up that a miracle is there. When we stand up, then God can use us, not when we wait for Him to be there. And when that happened, He went from being a beggar that was hoping for just a couple shekels to to, to a man who was jumping and leaping and praising God. You, you see the action of his thanksgiving? You, you see the action that went when he trusted, when he focused on the Lord. And, and one last thing, we'll just close with this a simple thought. After, after that, he, he learned. Uh, look at verse 8. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking, jumping, and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, he learned, first of all, he followed, and then he held on. Do you ever wonder why in your life do you ever wonder why maybe in the, the life of the church, do you ever kind of just look at, look at us as believers sometimes and, and ask this question, you know, why, why aren't we jumping? Do you ever ask yourself, why, why in my life and my, my walk, you know, I'm just kind of going through the mo- why, why am I, why am I not running? You look at your, your life or you look at what's going on with our body, you look at what's going on with our ministries, you say, man, why aren't we leaping? Why are we praising God? It's, it's maybe there because we're not trusting Him. It, it, it's because we're not stepping up. Because we're not getting up and allowing Him to use us. If you're this, here this morning and, and maybe you're the beggar, maybe you're struggling with, uh, struggling with getting on your feet, you're, you're like, you know, I, I would like for God to use me, but I, I, I'm just stuck here on the ground. Man, I, I, I know God could do something different, but I'm stuck here on the ground. Or, or let me speak to leaders here in the church. Maybe we look at our church and we like, but boy, we could do so much more. There's so many good things that we could do, but we're kind of stuck here on the ground. What, 
What is He calling us to do? This beggar went from a place of being nothing and having nothing to a place of wonderment and excitement when he was willing to get up and trust. Maybe here this morning, what God's calling you simply to do. He's calling you to simply trust Him and get up. Would you bow with me? Father, we thank You this morning that we have hope in You. A hope that comes not from our own power, but comes through faith and trust in You and comes through Your power. Father, oftentimes we're like that beggar. Father, I, I, I speak personally. Sometimes I'm like that beggar. I, I'm, I'm, I'm isolated by my own fear. Father, I'm, I'm powerless because I'm afraid. But we know that in You, there is hope of thanksgiving. There is hope of, of victory. Father, I pray this morning that as each one of us find ourselves in that place from time to time, that You would give us the faith and the focus to reach up and to get up and let you use us and move in us. Father, I thank you for the blessings that you give us. You've called us to be your own. You've called us to be powerful. You've called us to live in victory. Father, help us trust you to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.